everybody, you're listening to Sit Down Stand-Ups. I'm Ari Azizian, and it's such an honor to be here with my guest today. He's an amazing actor and a television icon. His book is called Drinking with George, A Barstool Professional's Guide to Beer. Uh, it's a great honor to be here with Mr. George Went. Howdy. How are you? I'm fresh as a daisy. Thank you so much. Uh, you have a lovely home. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> usually I give my guests uh, water during the interviews, but today I was wondering if maybe you'd like a beer. Well, I'm having a cup of tea right now, but got uh, some I should... Uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. Yeah, let me just give it a, a little authenticity. They don't even sponsor the show. We're not even getting paid to drink (laughs) this yellow beer, but... It's okay. Yellow beer is good. It's great. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Um, I just read your book, and it was so funny. Oh, thanks. And um, I was just wondering what inspired you to write a memoir filled with beer anecdotes and... You know, it was was my manager's idea. I'd been approached for books uh, over the uh, years, Mm -hmm. and... um, I was always like, man, I don't know, you know, I don't, eh, just, and uh, then he, uh, he said, well, look, just take this one meeting, and uh, uh, it was with Simon and Schuster in New York, and uh, and so I took it, and uh, they bought it, and it's like, oh, great, now I gotta write a damn book. <laughs> yeah. like, um, so it's just a humor book, as, as you've become aware, no doubt. It's a, it's not a, a, a proper memoir. Uh, it's it's more like a something. Even though I don't have an act, you know, it's it's like something you know, Seinfeld or Ellen right. DeGeneres yeah. might have written. Uh, it's it's humorous beer stories throughout my life, that sort of thing. I loved. Yeah, it's a great read, and it's. I love how you tie uh, beer in with like just. You know, growing up and <laughs> going through college and everything. I yeah. wish I actually got this book before I went to college because yeah. it taught me that the fastest way to cool a beer yeah. is with a fire extinguisher, which I had no idea. Yeah, well, yeah. I didn't even know that either. Uh, uh, you know, was, that was something I learned uh, subsequently. Yeah. yeah. And you said your first beer experience in the book was with your grandpa, and you got him a Budweiser. Yeah, yeah. He, he would drink uh, cans of Bud that we kept for him. Uh, and, uh, you know, he'd send me to the kitchen and uh, get a beer, and my reward was uh, the first sip. The sip. That's so funny. Yeah. I wonder how many colds he caught from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting a small child to get you a beer and having him sip. <laughs> yeah. Um, babies also... love beer. Really? They, they do. Yeah. yeah. It's the and fizziness or something? I don't know. The taste. The uh, taste. Yeah. That's so funny, yeah. I mean, as opposed to spirits, you know, which I've come to enjoy spirits in my old age um but you know spirits are like when you finish say your you know one of your parents drinks or one of your parents friends right. drinks like the next morning you know like they leave some it's always like oh my god that's disgusting <laughs> but beer is like, mm. it's for babies and yeah. for older people it's the same effect too they stumble around and they fall down <laughs> yeah. um i love that you uh your your first like underage drinking when you went into that bar and the bartender was blind oh yeah that's like the you know that could be a whole series on TV (laughs) as a comedic dream yeah that was uh, such a revelation and uh, my friend and I once we discovered that the bartender was blind (laughs) we just looked at each other like shut up (laughs) not a word to anybody this place will be overrun with like all our friends the greatest secret yeah we're gonna keep this secret well that lasted about 
an hour. <laughs> and uh, I think they... Over After with two or three schoolers. days, yeah, they, there was like a bicycle rack out in front of the place. <laughs> the dead giveaway to any cop in yeah. the area. That's so funny. And you were born in Chicago? Mm-hmm. And little Company of Mary Hospital. Little Company of Mary, yeah, we have that California, together, yeah. yeah. Both Little Company of Mary, and uh-huh. we both went to Jesuit schools, I think. Yeah, too. I went that to... Uh, Jesuit education that forms the love of beer. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a Jesuit high school boarding school, mind you. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was the full dose. And uh, then I went to Notre Dame for three years, um, uh, which was not Jesuit. Uh, um, and then graduated from Rockhurst College, which is uh, Jesuit. Wow, very nice. And Got kicked out of Notre Dame, <laughs> if you must yeah. know. 0.00. Wow. <laughs> that was not my cue. That's the high record. Because that, that, I was rocking a solid 2.0 cue. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was just first semester junior year. Mm-hmm. I uh, I lived in the dorms freshman year and sophomore year, and then junior year I moved off campus, and um, I didn't have a car. I, I didn't think it through. I was an <laughs> idiot. So I really had no way to get to class, hitchhike, yeah. the bus, oh. you know, and, uh, you know, it's 7 in the morning, uh, freezing up there too yeah freezing cold you know so i uh i didn't go to class and i look back at it as um you know in my dotage once again i uh, <laughs> my wisdom it was probably sort of a uh, a separation thing from my father and uh who was an alum notre dame alum, no, was yeah. class of 43 that's a lot of pressure uh, then yeah yeah and so uh you know, if I had any courage, you know, I would have done something significant like burn my draft card or something. Yeah. yeah. But instead, I was just passive aggressive and I flunked out of his alma mater. <laughs> Such a weasel. <laughs> I think, I mean, moving off campus has that too, where you're like, oh, yeah. class is optional now. Like, yeah. I don't think I'm going to go in today. And it wasn't much after college where you discovered Second City, you mentioned? Yeah. It was about uh, two or three years after um, I. Uh, you know, I had no idea what what I was going to do with my life, and uh, I was lamenting this fact to a, a friend from school, and he said, oh, I know what you do. If you don't know what to do, I, I know what you do. What's that? He said, you go to Europe. <laughs> and find so, yourself. So, you know, I worked uh, odd jobs and uh, for a few months, and living at home, you know, saved, was able to save uh, some money right away, and uh, thanks to my parents for that, um, and uh, went off to Europe with a backpack wow. and a you know. Where, where'd you go in Europe? Just everywhere. Well, I flew to Athens, and that was a that was amazing. But to go from Chicago to Athens, you mean there's not even the same alphabet. Forget the same <laughs> language. You know, right. you can't even you can't even read anything. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> And so I saw the few, you know, the, uh, the amazing stuff, you know, two or three days in Athens. And then I uh, quickly went to Corfu. Um, Where is that? It's an island um, in the Adriatic. Uh, okay. It's just uh, west of Greece. Not a proper Greek island like all those little ones, mm-hmm. uh, the sparkling jewels down in yeah. the Aegean. This was uh, the Adriatic, but this is beautiful too. And uh, I fell in with some guys I just checked into this hotel 
and uh, fell in with these guys from Georgetown who were doing their junior year abroad in Bern, Switzerland, and uh, they were on spring break or something, and uh, so I stayed there for like two to three weeks. Wow. And uh, uh, just, you know, it was really just so much fun. And then uh, um, got on the uh, a boat to uh, to Italy and uh, took a train up uh, up uh, to Rome and uh, met a fella and we on the train and we we're just walking around along the Tiber and I see these two hippies like walking towards us and uh, you know we passed each other and uh, we get about half a block away and one of the hippies uh, who looked like Buffalo Bill Cody you know he had the fringe jacket like yeah. David Crosby and big you know goatee and uh, way long hair and and uh, he turns around and he goes, Hey! Hey! I know you! And I turn around, <laughs> I don't think so. And he goes, Yeah! We start walking towards each other. He says, Did you go to Notre Dame? I go, Yeah. <laughs> Did you used to hang out at Nicola's? I go, Yeah. He goes, I served you every every beer you ever drank. <laughs> I was like, Begley? And he goes, Yeah! And uh, <laughs> it was this bartender. And uh, I mean, he was a student. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he and his buddy, and he said, what are you doing? I said, I have no idea. You know, I'm just, uh, you know, what are you doing? And uh, they said, oh, we're going to Morocco, the slow way. <laughs> I was like, really? We're looking for riders. We have a van. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I said, uh, yeah, that sounds good. Well, <laughs> meet us at American Express tomorrow morning. Uh, uh, we put up a notice that we're looking for riders at American Express, and so uh, uh, we're going to see if anybody answered the uh, the ad. So I, I go to American Express in the morning and uh, met them there, and there we found some sailor from uh, who just got uh, back from Vietnam. Oh my gosh! And uh, he had no idea what he was doing either, and uh, so we took him on board, and uh, the four of us. <laughs> just started driving to Morocco <laughs> along the coast, you know, the Italian coast, Italian Riviera, right. Monaco, Monte Carlo, you know, wow. Côte d'Azur, you know, south like of France, that. Oh, south of France, you know, the coast of Brava into Spain and down it. That's a beautiful drive, yeah. Uh, it was amazing. And it took us like You'd think a the month. slow way to Morocco would be a scary <laughs> drive, uh, but it yeah. turns out it's very beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun and you know, we just got to Morocco and we we just stayed because it was so warm and uh, we were camping you know basically sleeping on the side of the road living on lemons and hashish Uh, (laughs) it was uh, it was quite a time then we cut across across Algeria and uh, into Tunisia and then uh, uh, you know uh, took uh, another ferry over to Sicily and them back on up it'll hey that's know. incredible yeah yeah i recommend it yeah and how long were you in europe altogether well uh, it was a better part of two years uh i would go back and forth uh a couple of times um to when money ran out uh to uh stay at my parents and work for my dad or whatever and uh 
What would you do for your dad? Uh, sort of an office boy. Okay. Um, uh, you know, errands and uh, filing and Xeroxing and making coffee, go- running for lunch. Right. You know, that kind of that kind of thing. Uh, he could tell I was not cut out for the <laughs> business. Uh, and uh, that's when I started. Uh, eventually, after uh, going to Europe like two or three times on that basis for several months at a time, that's uh, when I figured out I, I you know, wanted to try to get involved at Second City. And what was that? Like, did somebody tell you, hey, you're really funny? Or did you know well, about Second City growing <laughs> up? Or? I'd, I'd seen it. Uh, my sister brought me there when I was in college. And, uh, and you know, and I, I'd seen, uh, uh, well, I just, I had this this great uh, college philosophy uh, teacher who uh, was, he was all, he was a Jesuit, and he was all on about the concept of alienation. And I don't think I could really explain alienation to you. But, uh, you know, he just, uh, you know, uh, what I took from it was, uh, you know, I didn't want to try to do something as for my life, as a career that I would hate. Yeah. So I started trying to think of, God, what am I going to do? You know, I'd hate this. I would hate, you know, sales, no, uh, finance, no, doctor, no, lawyer, no. Fireman, cop, cowboy—you know—something <laughs> I wouldn't hate. Yeah. And the only thing I could think of that I wouldn't hate was uh, Second City, which looks for all the world like a bunch of young men and women goofing off on stage. <laughs> and I was pretty sure they got paid for it. So uh, uh, when I finally got back, I, unbeknownst to anybody, uh, you know, and like uh, like you mentioned, you know, I did get a little bit of positive feedback just. Uh, you know about me being funny at parties and yeah. things, you know so i really was you know complete idiot <laughs> so i called the box office and uh, inquired about the workshops and they took my name and address they sent me a flyer 13 weeks 85 bucks wow uh tuesday nights from six to eight the show was at nine mm-hmm. so we had to get out of the room you know so they could turn uh, get the room ready to you know bring the house in uh, between eight and nine and uh, so Josephine Forsberg uh, players workshop she was kind of the only uh, game in town uh, it was before Dell came back to uh, Chicago he was in, in uh, San Del Francisco close. Del yeah. Close sorry yes Del Close and um, uh, it was the, for the first time ever in any kind of a class situation I applied myself you know, and uh, she was merciful. She didn't uh, give me a negative note. I was so green. <laughs> I had no, was, you know, I was perplexed. Uh, but I, I gave it my all, and uh, she gave me nothing but positive feedback for about, you know, seven, eight weeks. Then I signed up for another class, and, you know, I was meeting all these people, and it's probably the same thing you're going through. You know, you meet yeah, it uh, sounds very <laughs> like-minded people, and you know, there's. It's funny. You talk about one of those uh, stories where you say, "Wow, you'd be, be nice to who you meet on the way up," or something. Because uh, my best friend in the workshop was uh, turned out to be uh, this legendary uh, television programmer named Brandon Tartikoff. 
Oh wow! For, yeah, he did NBC. And and NBC, yeah. he did you know Cheers. He revived all those, and all those things. Rig, yeah, yeah. Uh, St. Elsewhere, uh, Hill Street Blues. You know, was right. Seinfeld. And yeah, and uh, you know, like uh, That's we amazing. took a couple of a uh, couple of you know uh, cycles, thirteen week cycles together, and and uh, Josephine Forsberg had this little showcase for her students. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this Unitarian church right near Second City, and uh, we wanted to be involved, but we were too green, you know. So we we did things like you know uh, we'd go. I'd set up chairs, and and uh, Brandon would sell coffee and cookies and stuff. And uh, you know, I remember one day after the show, uh, you know, the cast were fabulous students and. Uh, they had all their friends and a big, wonderful show, and uh, Brandon's breaking down their coffee and cookies, and I'm I'm breaking down the folding chairs, yeah. and, and uh, Brandon says to me, George, one of these days it's going to be me and you up there. Wow. Meaning this cheesy little workshop showcase, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And then Brandon disappeared, uh, and uh, I carried on, and you know, eventually. Uh, got in that little showcase and then got in you know hired by the touring company and and uh then in the resident company i wound up you know staying at second city for six years seven including the year of workshops and uh brandon the whole time i had no idea yeah i just he just disappeared yeah he had gone to new york and then la uh, oh wow because what i didn't know was his day job was uh Who's the junior exec at uh, Channel Seven in Chicago? WLS TV, which oh was ABC owned and operated. Yeah. So and then he's doing the cookies and coffee. Huh? Like, and then he's doing the cookies and coffee. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. He's a junior executive. Yeah. And uh, uh, so uh, yeah, so it was great. Um, then of course, when uh, I got out of Second City, I, I did a pilot. Uh, for NBC, and of course Brandon was behind that, and then he offered me a uh, development deal. Wow! And uh, I had these fancy new agents, and uh, they said, "No, no, no, no development deal. We're <laughs> going to pass on this." And I'm like, "Geez, okay, whatever." So I passed on this thing. Then Bernie Solins, the owner of Second City at the time, calls me up and says, "Hey, I have a writing gig for you." And I go, "Oh, okay. What's up?" I'm going to write a, you, Tim Kazarinski, and, and Mary Gross, we're going to write a, a pilot yeah. for NBC. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So, and then I figured out, duh, now I'm writing on the gig that I passed on as an actor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, long story short, that, that went nowhere, but long story short, when, uh, when the, uh, you know, casting approval, network approval for Cheers came around it was Brandon so it was like a no bra- it was a yeah. no brainer so that wow. was, yeah that's so cool so be nice <laughs> to people you meet on the web then yeah I hear all these kids in my class and they tell me like they do this and the, during the day and they you know they work for the studio I'm like oh my gosh these people are already like they made it like what are they doing in my improv A yeah, class yeah but, and it was so great that you said that's the first thing that you applied yourself at because yeah. that's how I feel too and I'm like if I only tried half as hard as I do in comedy in math or science or something like that yeah it would have been way more advantageous for my life but I I feel exactly the same way yeah trying really hard and was there anybody else during your time at Second City I know like 
Bill Murray's brother, I think, was he around the same time? Joel or Brian? Brian, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, no, Brian was before, before. Uh, Billy, and Billy was before me. Oh, okay. Even though Billy's slightly younger than me, he's like a year or two younger. Uh, but I, like I was gallivanting in Europe while Billy was, you know, doing sex. Too. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, when I got back, it was uh, from Europe. It was, um, you know, John Belushi and Joe Flaherty. Wow. And Brian Dolan Murray. Yeah. And uh, Harold Ramis and uh, uh, Eugenie Ross Lemming and Judy Morgan and it, but they just rocked my world. I mean, John Belushi. You know, I, I've never seen anything quite like the power he had over an audience. And it was a very, I mean, there's somebody similar in terms of like, not in terms of the menacing energy that John had, but just in terms of pee your pants audience. Uh, and that would be Marty Short. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And was Marty there or was he in No, Canada? Marty was in Toronto. Toronto, yeah. right. And you got to see John Belushi on stage at yeah. Chicago? Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. I was a student. You know, I was like, what? You know, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, you could get in free uh, um, at night. You know, I mean. Uh, as a student? Uh, no, uh, not as a student. Anybody could get in free. I mean, you had to pay for the show. Right. Uh, but then the improv set was like the oh, final. Oh, okay. Yeah, they would do like two 40-minute acts of sketches that had been derived uh, from improvs, uh, but they were pretty much scripted, and uh, and then uh, they'd take a curtain call. The audience was free to leave or stay, and uh, also you know anyone who was up and about at eleven o'clock at night could uh, drop in and uh, just watch the improv set for free. That's so cool because that's how they developed their material. So yeah. they, were, they were happy to have an audience. That's amazing. And uh, how long was it that you said you were there for about six, seven years? And how long was it until you got into the actual touring company? Well, look, I started the workshops in uh, fall of 73 and uh, got hired uh, into the touring company in the fall of 74. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was, that was pretty quick. It was pretty quick. Yeah. And then uh, in uh, summer of uh, 75, I think, uh, I... Uh, I got into the resident company, and uh, that didn't end well. Um, I did about a year in the resident company, and uh, I got fired back down to the touring company. That was just crushing blow. What? Know? How come? Did you find out? Or? Uh, yeah, kind of sucking, you know. Oh, um, yeah. But I think you know they, uh, you know, the good news is they didn't want me to go away. They wanted me to. Uh, go back in the touring company and try to it said I was playing it too safe and um, I think you know uh, I was uh, I didn't really have a I was a bit of a late bloomer I, I didn't really have a comic voice I was a funny kid and you know audiences were you know sort of enjoying it but it just wasn't up to uh, Second City standards you know, and uh, when I, after I went down, it was just kind of gave me uh, like a new strength. Just, fuck it, I'm going to get back there, you know. Yeah, and, uh, and get better at yeah, it. And yeah. 
Oh, and then after like a year and a half in the touring company, which, and the good news is, it was what they sold me on when they fired me was uh, that, we, you know, they had all this work lined up. Uh, we had, a, you know, a residency. And, and uh, also it's where I met my wife, so that's oh, wow. cool. Yeah. You know, we, uh, it was the summer of 76, bicentennial, and, uh, and we, <laughs> we had this gig in the touring, the touring company had this gig where uh, Ravinia Park in Chicago, uh, it's an outdoor venue, sort okay. of like uh, oh, the Greek theater, oh, wow, yeah. Hollywood Ball would yeah. be here. Um, <laughs> they, uh, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra would play. And uh, they then Ravinia booked Second City to play after the uh, Chicago Symphony for people who, just like a 45-minute set, right. for people who wanted to uh, avoid the traffic and uh, there was a train, you know, that ran to the Ravinia Park, and uh, you know there was trains scheduled certain times, and so uh, we followed the Chicago Symphony, or as we like to put it, the Chicago Symphony opened for us. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's where I met my my wife. So that's so awesome. We've been together, sheesh. Well, close to forty years now, seventy six. We're getting there. Wow. 30, 39 years. Yeah. That's amazing. And she also was the voice of Vera, too, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Amazing. It's, not all, it's not all she did, uh, but, uh, you know, she's uh, she's uh, busy herself with all sorts of fun. Have uh, you guys gotten to work a lot together on projects? You know, recently we have. We've been doing some theater recently. Um, we did a play in Canada uh, uh, this past fall. And then uh, last year we did another play in uh, Kansas City, of all places, uh, for four months. It was great. That's really cool, yeah. yeah. How long was it after when you were in Second City in Chicago where you moved to Los Angeles? Was that when you, the pilot do? I, I moved, yeah, the, yeah, I got this pilot in 80. And uh, What was the name of that show? It's called Nothing, <laughs> Nothing But Comedy, NBC, get it? Oh, okay. And it was meant to be a prime time of sketch show much like Saturday Night Live but for prime time and Fred Willard uh, was uh, more or less the lead guy on it Wow! Yeah. and uh, me and David Rashi and um, uh, uh, Debbie Harmon um, that was an amazing lineup <laughs> like, yeah I'm trying to think of uh, who was this guy Pat Proft who uh, was uh, not a Second City guy but a uh, Dudley Riggs guy from Minnesota and uh, anyway uh, and that didn't go anywhere but uh, Bernadette had also gotten a pilot and she was uh, you know they, they wanted her she got managers and agents right away and they wanted her to move so we were ready you know six years I had been there six years so we were both ready to go and both came to Los Angeles around the same time. Yeah, 1980. Very cool. And 80s, so that must have been pretty quick before you got on to Cheers? Yeah, I had another show in between, but yeah. What was the show in between? Uh, it's called Making the Grade. Making the Grade, okay. Yeah, it was it was a pretty good show. Yeah. It's written by Gary David Goldberg, um, Family Ties guy, um, James Naughton, uh, Allie Mills, 
some other guys. Um, it was uh, it did. We shot uh, six, and uh, we had a little uh, mid-season replacement sort of thing, and it didn't it didn't get picked up. Uh, so then Cheers did, and uh, so that was good. And did they, since your friend was in NBC, did they want you for Cheers, or did you audition for it? I auditioned for Cheers. Yeah. Um, Although, weirdly, <laughs> no, weirdly, this is really weird. Yeah. Because uh, about um, uh, six months ago or so, I was uh, at some seminar uh, with the creators, Glenn Charles, Les Charles, mm-hmm. and Jim Burroughs, and uh, I was at UC Santa Barbara. <clears throat> and uh, they're doing a Q&A with an auditorium full of people. And uh, I was meant to be like a surprise guest. Uh, I was going to drop in about halfway through the program. So, but I love these guys and love listening to them. And um, you know, I was just basically standing in the wing, you know, watching them. And uh, somebody asked, "Now, did you uh, did you have anyone in mind when you were casting Cheers?" And uh, they go, uh, "Oh God, no! We took forever." And, ever to cast we we spent months casting sam and diane we we uh you know we had so many different combinations of uh people and and uh, it was very meticulous process exhausting really and then and then they go uh but um yeah but otherwise we had ria in mind and uh and george and i'm like what the fuck i'm just like <laughs> what now now i find out that you had me in mind when you wrote this, and uh, I'm kind of glad I never knew. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I might have tanked the audition. Somehow. Wow. Yeah, that's so amazing. So they essentially wrote Norm for you, well, or you had know, you in mind. Uh, I was very fortunate, you know. Uh, that there's obviously dozens and dozens of guys could have. Uh, I mean, that was like T-ball, frankly. Uh, you know, they would just. Every time I opened my mouth, it was boom, upper deck. You know, it was like so. I mean, with that, with that kind of tremendous comedy writing, uh, obviously dozens, if not hundreds, of guys uh, with similar uh, age, similar background, you know, could have knocked it out of the park as well. Did you but, feel like really confident after you auditioned for that part? Uh, You're like, oh, I got. Well, yeah, this. actually, you know, I heard right away. Uh, because I was, I was tied up to that, that other show, Making the Grand, right. which was also a Paramount show, but it was CBS. Oh, okay. And so uh, Cheers was NBC, so I wasn't available to play a regular role. So uh, uh, I, I, um, they said, uh, well, look, they want you to do a guest shot on, on this pilot. Small, really small role, but you, you like these guys. You remember them from Taxi, mm-hmm. Glenn Charles and Les Charles. I go, oh, yeah, that sounds cool tiny role honey but just go in and you know do them a favor because they're really good and so uh it's one word what was it beer <laughs> that was uh, i was i was meant to be shelly long's first customer oh my gosh and it was in the to be a tag it never got in the show but at the tag she after she'd been hired in mm-hmm. the pilot she they co- go to a tag, I guess, just before the credits or during the credits, 
and uh, she goes, hi, I'm Diane, I'll be your waitress today. Well, I'm not really a waitress, I'm an, an academic, but, and then she kind of recaps mm -hmm. the whole story with huge paragraphs, yeah. you know, like she would. And then she goes, oh, I'm sorry, well, I should probably, what, what can I get you? And I go, beer. <laughs> and she goes, beer, perfect. And that's the end of the show. Wow. But they didn't, uh, uh, so the casting director, uh, the late Stephen Kolzak, said, look, this uh, one word, it's too, uh, it's impossible to audition with one word, mm -hmm. so here, take a look at this. Uh, and he handed me a few pages of uh, uh, this character called George. That should have been my first clue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, it, you know, I never put it together. <laughs> and uh, so it was this guy who came in and never left. And uh, so I said, all right, all right, uh, I'll do this. And... Um, and uh, so in I go, and uh, you know it worked out. Uh, I mean, they, you know, so they called and said, "Look, they 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 want you. They're gonna try to uh, see if you can do both shows." And I'm like, "This is amazing!" <laughs> and then CBS said no because uh, they were both Paramount shows, right? Because right. they thought maybe, and CBS said no. So I was like, "Dang! Oh well, I've got this other. That's fine. Right. I've got the making the grade. That's cool." So, but they wanted me to shoot it the pilot on a guest basis and then see what happened with making the grade turns out you know making the grade did not get picked up in the minute the day well frankly within 10 minutes because uh, it's paramount they yeah. know everything right uh, as soon as making the grade did not get picked up i had got that phone call i was like oh damn that sucks and then 10 minutes later they want you to you know, be a series regular on Cheers. I'm like, really? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I know, I know. It's back to back. But the cool, as amazing as that is, the coolest thing is uh, what Ratzenberger did. Have you heard this? No, I haven't. Oh, he, uh, you know, I didn't know him at the time or anything. I, I didn't meet him till you know, the first day we, we started Cheers. But it, the story goes, in his audition, he he's auditioning for George, this mm. role. Oh, wow. That they, you know... The guy who never left. Yeah, and uh, he was an improv guy, and you know he he worked a lot of improv in the UK. Uh, a legendary group called Sal's Meat Market in the UK. Uh, he he he's auditioning, and it's he can tell it's not going too well, and so he uh, thank you, thank you, yeah, thank you, yeah, and thanks for coming in, and uh, he opens the door. Walks through, literally has one foot out the door, w turns around, says, Hey, do you guys have a bar know it all? And they go, <laughs> uh, No, what do you mean? And he started improvising as Cliff. Oh my gosh. And they la they wrote it into the show. That's incredible. That's chutzpah. Every bar has a know it all. Like, that's yeah. genius. <laughs> I know. So there you go. Rats, Johnny Rats. That's amazing. That's probably the quickest audition and write yourself in this part that's so cool yeah and uh the first season i heard it it didn't get the ratings that nbc wanted but the head of nbc was like grant tinker and he said he loved right. the show right grant tinker uh was the head of nbc and he was amazing and brandon was his lieutenant mm -hmm. if you will his programming chief and uh grant's philosophy NBC had been in last place for, you know, a decade or more. 
And they were in this cycle of develop pilots, shoot pilots, cancel pilots, you know, that, and it just was endless. Tina so Fey he, said that NBC failed more pilots than the French Air Force or something like that. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, so he thought, like, well, look, I just got hired. And so I've got a lot of capital here. You know, uh, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down, you know, fighting. So he had a good relationship as head of Mary Tyler Moore Studios. Oh, wow, yeah. And the Mary Tyler Moore show, he had a good relationship with a lot of creative people, uh, including Gary Goldberg, uh, you know, Gwen and Les, uh, all these, you know, Jim Brooks, they're all MTM guys. Yeah. Uh, and um, so he decided to put shows that he thought were quality shows on the air and just leave them there till the audience found them. And for us, it took uh, maybe reruns of year two. Oh wow! And it's amazing. The no, first season, we were we were dead last. I know. I, I hear the, yeah. that all the time, and I go back and I watch it. And Cheers is one of those shows where it's like it's one of the rare shows I can think of where it was so consistent and every character was written so strong from the very beginning. Like yeah. everything was fleshed out. Even the set was complete. You know, you go back set, and you watch the yeah. first episode of Seinfeld. Elaine's not talking as much. Jerry's apartment somewhere else. You know, like a lot of shows took a while to develop. And Cheers was just solid, like right out the gate. So when I hear yeah. that, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, yeah. was it the time slot maybe? Or Oh, well, NBC yeah, the time was just... slot was uh, uh, CBS owned the night. It was um, Tom Sell- uh, Magnum P.I. Oh, okay. And he was just a huge, huge uh, star for TV. And he was at eight, and then at nine, they had another uh, sort of uh, handsome cop show uh, <laughs> called um, Simon and Simon and Simon. Okay. Uh, Gerald McRaney and um, I'm sorry, I can't remember another handsome fella. <laughs> and uh, so you know, it was a heartthrob cop thing. Right. Uh, and uh, so they got the lead in from Magnum and. They just, you know, were a juggernaut. And so, but then what happened is these cop shows, you know, in reruns, everyone had already seen them. Right. So and it's they, not a mystery anymore yeah, to watch it. Yeah. Because they were quite popular. Mm-hmm. So so people start, oh, and plus we won Emmys and shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, even though we were dead last, right. we uh, won Emmy for Best Comedy. And you guys so got like 28 Emmys, right? I don't know. Yeah. At the 11-year run. Yeah. but uh, The point is the first year we won um, Best Comedy. Shelley won Best Actress. Wow. Um, I think the boys won Best Writing. Uh, Rhea might have even won. Uh, I'm not sure. But so I think, you know, eventually people started to go, hey, maybe I'll sample this thing. Because the critics also kind of flipped for the show and that that was tremendous uh, but so they started looking in uh, during reruns of year two and then year three I believe was when Cosby uh, let off the night and he, he was uh, just a smash hit right out of the box and uh, you know we just everyone rode his coattails for <laughs> the rest of the decade that's so cool and yeah. great to hear that it got you know yeah. all the credit deserved um do you have like a most memorable moment 
from Cheers. all those years. Yeah, I know it's really hard to choose, but there's a lot. Um, you know, that John Ratzenberger story is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Food fight was uh, food fight classic. Yeah, uh, but uh, did you guys get to improvise a lot oh, after no. the writing? No, no. I mean, once in a while, John might uh, try something in a rehearsal. But, uh, you know, at the end of each rehearsal day, the, the writers would come in and, you know, we would basically uh, do the bit for them. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if uh, Jim Burroughs uh, kind of liked what, what uh, John or somebody else had improvised, which wasn't much, mind you, infinitesimal. Mm -hmm. uh, if Burroughs liked it, he'd say, you know, like, let's try it. Go ahead, try it in the run-through. And then if they liked it, you'd see it in the next day's pages in the rewrite. Wow. And if they didn't like it, it wouldn't be in the rewrite. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it was very clear. Uh, right away, yeah. Yeah. And But, I mean... One per point five of one percent, you know, like almost entirely scripted. Uh, yeah, I would say. Yeah, so uh, they cool. didn't. They didn't need our help. Yeah. And after After Cheers, you got to do Saturday Night Live like nine times, right? Yeah, I'm not sure the exact number. Uh, I I hosted twice, but you know, I did a lot of a lot of guest shots. And you got to do Bill Swirsky too, which yeah, is yeah, super fan, iconic was, character. The most of the uh, most of the guest shots were uh, super fans, but did you help create that character? Some other bits too. Uh, you know, uh, not really. I mean, add some of the Chicago that you knew and grew up in in it. Um, no, yeah, pretty much just uh, reading the cue cards. Cue um, I'd try to help now and then, but they were, once again, just, a, you know, tremendous writers. Bob Odenkirk and yeah. uh, Robert Smigel, primarily. Uh, Bob left the show uh, shortly after those characters were created. You also get to perform a lot on stage and, like, Broadway. Yeah. And you were in Hairspray and 12 Angry Men, too, I heard you were in. Yeah. Um, do Art, you... Elf, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you prefer the live theater more than yeah. film and television? Yeah. yeah Why I is do. that? It's just more fun. It's easier. I mean, the rehearsal process is fun. Um, you know, tech, technical rehearsals in, in the theater are a complete drag. But with movies, every day is tech. <laughs> you know, they're all just... It's more stop hour, and go, I guess. 12-hour days, and yeah. it's about everything but you. You know, uh, you know. Whereas, and then once you finish the rehearsal process, you know, then then it's just you and your fellow players and the audience, and you know, you show up at seven thirty, you're out the door at ten o'clock. <laughs> Taxi, we're two boys <laughs> uptown, downtown. You know, like, off we go. That's awesome. Are you are you working on anything in the future for a live performance? Um. Because I know you have a new show coming yeah. out on TBS called Buzzies, right? Yeah, yeah. i got a new show. I, I think I'm uh, possibly going to do a play in Chicago in the uh, fall. Okay. And do you know which play that's going to be? 
Well, I pro it's uh, not. We're not uh, entirely. Oh, okay. It's not entirely set, so I don't want to get. Uh, no, no, that's really premature cool. on that one. Yeah, but the TBS show, could we talk about it? Yeah, yeah. And it's called Buzzies and Buzzies. And you're playing Buzzy. I'm Buzzy. Yeah. But uh, oddly, it's or not oddly, it's not about me. You know, it's an ensemble. It's about uh, a barbershop. Yeah, a barbershop called Buzzies and. Uh, it used to, I used to own it, and I sold it to these kids with the proviso that um, I get to keep my chair and I get to keep the name, Buzzies. Okay. Uh, but basically, all my clients have died. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm on Social Security anyway. I don't give a shit. <laughs> so I just come in and, and, you know, I do the odd haircut maybe. But uh, it's really about these 20-something uh uh, young men and women and their lives and hopes and dreams and uh, it's a good group good group uh, the producers are uh, David Cohan and Max Muchnick oh wow uh, from Will and Grace Will and Grace uh, yeah. yeah and uh, it's Warner Brothers and um, Jamie Widows uh, is directing the legendary wow. uh, director and uh, of course Hoover oh. from Animal House uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, Jamie Widows and, uh, um, and the pilots taped and everything? Yeah, we shot the pilot uh, last year sometime. I saw the preview for it. Is the pilot out already? No. 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 When is the episodes going to be? When are they going to? I think summer. Summer? Okay. Summer 2015, I think. And, uh, oh, the kids, you should know. There's um, a boy from Jackass, Ryan Pinkston. Okay. And there's a, a, girl, a pop star girl, Ashley Tisdale. Oh, yeah. And uh, they're... Then there's four uh, people, uh, one UCB, one IO, one Second City, and one Groundlings. Wow. And that's they all have chops for days. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And have you started taping? Are you already like working no, with these? No, we, uh, we, we start uh, end of March. End of March, okay. Yeah. That must be so exciting to yeah. a bunch yeah. of improv yeah. professionals. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Yeah, I love them. That's Can't really wait to awesome. get back in with them. We're thinking about getting a team together to, uh, you know, just sort of bond as an ensemble. And just do improv on the side? Yeah, just, uh, you know, see if we can get a get on board at Second City or someplace or I.O. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to go watch you guys yeah, do that. Yeah. That's so awesome. Cool. Thank you so much for meeting with me today. Sure. I had a great time. Thanks. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks Thank for the you. beer. No problem. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Yourself, but it was literally for me. But you, you degenerate. You go ahead and have your beer. <laughs>